This is Ayana McLean, and you're listening to the Half Court Press Podcast. Hey, this is John Boyce from the New York Avengers. You are listening to the Half Court Press Podcast. This is Michelle Howard of the New York Islanders, and you're listening to the Half Court Press Podcast. The New York Islanders are a hockey club based on the east coast of the USA. Having been around for close to five decades, the club was originally founded and organised by those from the Caribbean islands, an influence which still drives the club today. In this series, we find out more about the New York Islanders from those involved. Theo McLeod talks to a variety of hockey personalities who have coached, played for and generally been a part of the West Indian hockey community in New York. This is Patricia Wright-Alexis, former captain of the Trinidad Tobago hockey team, and you're listening to the Half Court Press podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Half Court Press podcast, and welcome to our new season focusing on the New York Islanders. Some of our listeners who listen to the Pan American Hockey Series may remember uh, the New York Islanders being mentioned by Kamara Mitchell and Andre Boyce from the Caribbean. Um, today I am sat with Patricia Borneo. Is that a good pronunciation? Uh, yes, of the yeah. <laughs> maiden name. Uh, it's now Wright Alexis. Sorry. So Patric- Patricia Wright Alexis. Correct, yes. Patricia, I believe that you are the former captain of the Trinidad and Tobago that uh, ladies national team. Yes, that's correct. Mm-hmm. I was a captain there for a few years. Well, um, okay, okay. can you give us a bit of your background? Uh, where are you from? Tell us a bit about your involvement in in, in hockey um, in the New York Islanders in Trinidad and Tobago, for example. Sure. Uh, so Patricia Wright Alexis, formerly Borneo. Um, I've been playing hockey uh, for at least 25 years. Um, started off in high school, uh, then moved into college and club level, national team level. Um, captain of the national team for uh, at least uh, seven years or the majority of the time that I spent there. Uh, been playing internationally for 14 years um, and I'm now a coach. Uh, I still do play at the club level uh, with uh, Harvard Checkers, uh, ladies hockey club. Uh, but I'm now also um, just spending more time doing some coaching. Uh, during my time uh, playing in the United States, uh, where I was on scholarship uh, at the University of Massachusetts, I had the opportunity to play in the um, New York League uh, with the New York Islanders, uh, as well as um, a few other uh, clubs in that area. What, what, what part of Trinidad and Tobago are you from? I'm from the eastern um, part of Trinidad and Tobago, uh, Takarigua is the town, and uh, luckily um, the National Hockey Centre is based in Takarigua. Uh, so I am two minutes away uh, from the place that I love to spend the majority of my time. I believe, I believe uh, your, your, your national t- your home nation is unique in the fact that it's a twin island nation. Correct. Yep, so we're actually Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, so Trinidad is the uh, bigger of the two islands, uh, more industrialized and a uh, business center, uh, while Tobago is the more laid back, uh, relaxed Caribbean vibes uh, tourism spot. Where during the Pan American series, uh, Ayanna McLean, who's also um, 
the the the, the Olympic grade uh, umpire for the FIH, who mm -hmm. also played for the national team back in the day. Did mm -hmm. she play, was she a teammate of yours when she played? Yes, so actually the uh, tournament that I and I played in, uh, my first, our first senior tournament, uh, that was in 2003, uh, the Pan American Games in Santo Domingo, 2020, yeah, 2003. So you played together then. She was telling me that uh, hockey is much stronger as a sport on the island of Trinidad than it is Tobago. Correct. Yeah, uh, so in Trinidad, uh, we have a full club system and school system, actually. Uh, so we have uh, the school, uh, schools league, uh, both indoor and outdoor, because we play both indoor and outdoor here, as well as the club leagues. Um, we have, oh, we've had at least uh, eight to ten females team in the past and men's team ten to twelve. Uh, in Tobago, however, there was just uh, one team, Paradise. Um, and they did a pretty good job as well because they came over to the league. They would travel ever so often to Trinidad and some of the Trinidadian teams would travel to Tobago to uh, keep the league running and to get them involved. Uh, but as of late, um, we haven't been able to revamp uh, the Paradise Hockey Club, uh, even though they, it would have been a good... Um, they presented a good future because they had a full development program. Uh, of course, they were playing on grass there, so there were multiple schools involved in playing and development, but something happened along the years and we just, we just lost them. Uh, how much of an issue is facilities there? It, one can say it's a, it's a big issue. Uh, so we have just one uh, AstroTurf uh, pitch outlined for hockey in Trinidad. And that is actually uh, currently under construction. It has been uh, like that uh, since late last year uh, or mid last year. Uh, so when uh, once that is done, uh, there's no hockey to be played, no outdoor hockey to be played. Uh, so you found that we moved into the indoor arena uh, for a longer period than we wanted to. Um, but uh, otherwise, I think uh, it's the, the, the drive has been now to be a little more diverse and flexible in our approach. Uh, so if we don't have access to the outdoor field, the AstroTurf, then do, does that mean that we consider going back to grass? You know, uh, we, we try to, or we're in the process of now trying to find a solution. Yeah, uh, but it, it, it tends to be, it was a problem until uh, now we're trying to get over that stumbling block to figure out then what do we do? What's next? What's your opinion on that? Um, sh sh should we be going back to grass? Should we be so snobby about the use of uh, water-based astroturfs? No, it, it, it's my opinion, right? Um, no, the, the game is, the modern day game is, it's playing on AstroTurf, right? Uh, so if we want to be able to compete and uh, be there with the big leagues in the world, we need to be able to have access to AstroTurf, right? So uh, I would say, one, we need to have um, more than one pitch available to us, right? Uh, of course, we'd have to get our own funding and these things. So this is a pie in the sky or a wish list, uh, but that's uh, one major thing. In the meantime, though, there, there's the other part of hockey development, Right, and the youth aspect. Uh, so do we halt uh, that side of it because we don't have access to the AstroTurf and the adult teams and the national teams are struggling or do we then try to do something else in the meantime to still keep the sport developing and keep uh, feeding ground, right? Uh, so my take on that would be uh, to, to use the grass fields, uh, use the grass fields for our youth programs because uh, it's, uh, it's, it's for development. Uh, I played hockey on grass <laughs> um, and was able to migrate to the AstroTurf quite easily. Uh, so why can't we, you know, uh, go back uh, to, to, to how we used to do it then? Again, just to use it as a development uh, for our youths. There was, several months ago, there was uh, a consideration voiced publicly by, the, uh, by a member of the FIH talking about get, getting away from water-based uh, turfs 
especially in second and third tier uh, hockey playing nations. Uh, for example, I think in Africa, if you go to the equator, and those hockey playing na- hockey play nations there, that they don't want to spend gallons of water on a, on a, oh, on a yeah. dish. They want to drink it. If you go to a desert desert nation, they don't want to on a hockey pitch, are they? Right. So basically, you're stunting something the growth development of those hockey play nations. Hmm. Um, is there a similar thing in the Caribbean? Uh, not in terms of the need for water, um, but I guess just facilities. It, it is expensive uh, to maintain a water-based turf. You know, uh, I think uh, just getting a turf on the whole is very expensive. Um, so you'd find uh, that it, it isn't available, right? Um, I don't think Guyana, our, our neighbors, don't, they don't have an AstroTurf, right? Uh, there are talks about getting one, um, but they don't, right? Uh, Barbados recently uh, brought a second uh, AstroTurf. Uh, there's one sand base and then another with the, um, I think, the, the field, the field turf, uh, but the water-based turf, it, it, it is a problem. Uh, so, and, and that's where we come right back to then, let's diversify, you know? So if you can't uh, have uh, seven water-based fields, uh, like some of the developed nations, uh, then what do we do? S- sit and moan about it, or do we find other ways? Uh, so um, I'm not saying that uh, we should go fully back to grass uh, or, or, or be dependent on the water too, but there, there should be a medium, you know, just like in Africa, let's find other ways of developing the sport and staying relevant and, and developing, uh, developing the players. Now, this ties in, I believe, to your, your post-playing career in hockey. You stayed in hockey, you're, you're, you're coaching now as well, I believe. Yes. What, what are you doing now? Uh, so I'm a development coach. I have my uh, field hockey academy in sports field hockey academy, as well as I coach um, on the adult side. I'm the coach of the university team here. That's the University of the West Indies, their women's program. And I was recently appointed uh, one of the coaches for the under 21 national uh, women's, women's team. Congratulations. That's, uh, as a, as a big step forward. How, how, how are you in enjoying the, the, the coaching? I, I love it. I love it. I've been saying it for the last few years of my playing career, uh, where um, I just didn't feel as I was given enough only feel as a player. Um, I, I felt as though I had the potential to do more for the sport, uh, more for my teammates, more for my country, if I was on the other side, uh, being a coach, uh, to develop these players and to um, div- work on the areas uh, that I saw as a player, some of the weaknesses in other players, you know, uh, be it mental, uh, be it uh, just general approach uh, to the sport and how you think about team sports. Uh, so um, I, I love coaching, again, because you can do so much more and develop the athletes to be able to compete. You are a development coach and an elite level coach as well mm. uh, with, the, yes. uh, with the international youth teams. Uh, do, do you enjoy one more than the other? Do you enjoy them for different reasons? What, what do you get out of this? Uh, so... Yeah, I, I enjoy them for different reasons. Um, so at the, on the development level, I just love um, seeing or introducing youth to the sport of hockey, uh, especially when they see how dynamic it is, you know. So it's just like football except better. That's my line when I go uh, to approach a school to pitch the sport. Uh, so I enjoy seeing them grow from 
okay, I'll give this a try to now. Oh, I love this sport. Oh, look at it. Miss, I looked at this international tournament and it was amazing. So I love to see the switch go on uh, where they are now able to consider a different sport and see the avenues uh, to succeeding with this different sport, right? Uh, just like football, you can get scholarships. You can play in, uh, in Europe, right? Uh, so uh, I, I love that side of the development program. But I also have a soft spot for the elite level uh, because I myself was also an elite athlete playing at the national level and international level. Uh, so I find that, um, again, I'm able to tap into the mental aspect of the game uh, for the players to get them to move from just representing their country uh, to wanting to win and move on and compete at the highest level. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a balance. Uh, I, I, I love both. Uh, sometimes it can be a challenge, uh, switching gears a bit, but um, I, I just love it. That's just the, the benefit of coaching. Do you find that, that there are any barriers to being a female coach? Um, for me, uh, uh, personally, no. Um, it, it's, it, let me take that back. So it can be a challenge being a coach, right, and being a female because uh, I have a household to manage. I have two kids and a husband. And you find that the time that you need to dedicate to coaching can, it's, it's a lot. It takes from you. Uh, you're up late at night trying to do uh, coaching plans and figure out game strategies and uh, trying to figure out how to get a team from this level to that level. So it takes time. Um, so on a personal side, it's, a, it's, a, it's always a balancing act. Um, and you feel itself in terms of being or feeling a particular way because I'm a female coach. I actually take pride that I'm a female coach, uh, that I can be on the sidelines with a male counterpart, uh, edging my team on and making plays, calling the shots. So um, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice challenge to balance it uh, personally and professionally. Do, do you feel that there are, have you noticed any societal pressure or perspectives that try to be forced upon you? Um, there is, uh, because um, you're, you're a female coach and you're making waves. Uh, so you're moving up the ranks from development to national uh, level, um, as well as being a player with a history. Uh, they tend to now um, look at you even more. The spotlight is on you. Uh, so in, in terms of sometimes uh, making mistakes, making the wrong calls or losing a game, uh, you, you tend to take it hard because of the pressure <laughs> uh, that, that can be there. Um, but I, I, it, it, it can be a good thing in that uh, it, it will just make you stronger, you know. Uh, so they expect a lot because you're a female coach, uh, one of the rising female coaches in the country. Okay, let's see what you can do. Let's see what you have. Um, and so it, but it, it, it's a challenge that, you, that I'm willing to take up and uh, just, just shoulder it and take it as it comes. Take, take the uh, chances and the games as they come. Over here in England, uh, the women's football team, soccer team, has improved we are dramatically. We've had better funding in the leagues. The first division is now full time. The standard of the women's national football team has skyrocketed because of these opportunities and investment. Um, the the coaching, the head coaching role has changed uh, a couple of times in the last few years, mm. and there's been a conversation about whether we should have a, a female specifically coaching the women's team. Do hmm. you think that's important? It, it's important. Um, whether it should be mandated is another thing, you know. Um, I think uh, females understand females <laughs> uh, better than anyone can. Um, so we would know, you know, when to 
put your foot on the, um, on the brakes, you know, when to push, when to hold off. Um, so I, I think there's a, there, there's a bun, you know, or something that is unsaid uh, when you have a female interacting with the athletes. Um, so it, it, it's always important. I, I won't say it should be made mandatory. I think that's where you bring uh, gender into sports. And uh, for me, I try to not look at that aspect, uh, not focus on it. Um, but I, I think it's, it's important to, to do have a balance, have someone that the athletes, the female athletes can relate to and feel comfortable coming to, to talk about certain things or just know that this person would understand where they're coming from as a female. Do you think it's more important just to provide the opportunities so the bet so the the cream of the crop rises? Uh, sorry, repeat that. I didn't get that. Would you say that it's more important just to just to provide the opportunities so the talent does get to the top, regardless of gender? Yes, uh, yeah, I think so. Um, just just keep providing opportunities. I think in the last few years there has been a push uh, on the Commonwealth side and even here locally. Um, our TTOC Trinidad Tobago Olympic Committee slogan has been um, "The future is female." Yeah, so there has been a push uh, to get more females involved in the sport, uh, to stay in the sport at different levels, be it at a coach, official, or players. Um, so it's important that you do get a good mixture of the females there um, and that it's great that the opportunities are being presented uh, for females to now pick up these positions. Uh, but yeah, so balance is good. Uh, balance is good to help with continuity to give again, even the young females that are, that are coming up an option to see uh, that there are different avenues, you know, that I too can be uh, the next coach or in Ayana's uh, case, I too can be one of the top female umpires. Swinging back round to the New York Islanders, mm -hmm. uh, can you give us a bit more detail about your involvement there? Uh, when did you start playing for them? How long did you play for them? Uh, sure. Insight into the tournaments. Mm -hmm. uh, no problem. So I um, have been familiar with the New York Islanders way before I actually uh, met them or started to play with them. Uh, so my mom moved to the United States uh, very early uh, in my school. Uh, yeah, so I, she was at the, in the United States and I was here in Trinidad uh, picking up hockey and moving. And she uh, called me one day and she's like, hey, I just saw this team playing in the Bronx uh, with hockey sticks. You'll be so happy when you come up here. You have to meet them. You have to play. And so I was so excited. So any uh, vacation uh, periods that I would take in the United States, I went searching for this hockey team. Where is this hockey team, right? Where is this hockey team with, uh, with people that I can play and interact with? Um, I, it so happened that I did not find them until... Uh, years after when I attended college and uh, it was on one of our breaks uh, from college where we were invited by uh, one of our coaches at the university who's um, Trinidadian. Uh, she had a connection with some people in uh, New York and so she invited us there to play with uh, the teams. So I was super excited. I was like, oh my gosh, this is finally the opportunity that I would have to meet this New York Islanders team. I got to New York, though, slightly disappointed because we ended up playing with um, a Malvern USA, which is a, Malvern is a local team here in Trinidad. And there was actually a branch, uh, Malvern USA, in uh, New York. Uh, so I ended up playing with Malvern USA for a few years. Uh, but um, once they came to, and I quickly moved, up, moved over to New York Islanders. And I, I was in my glee. Because uh, I've been hearing about them for quite a while. They've been around, uh, been the team that Islanders would, uh, Caribbean people would go up to and play uh, when they're there. Um, and it, it, has, it has been magnificent. The uh, members, they are so warm and so welcoming. It's like a home away from home for Caribbean people wanting to play hockey, uh, wanting to stay involved. Uh, the, the thing is with them as well, it's beyond the game. It's beyond the field. They take it off. 
Uh, so in Trinidad, we call, we say line when you hang out and uh, get drinks after the games. Uh, and New York Islanders has such a huge culture for that. Um, you find that uh, every game day, it's a big line, you know, so you are there, your game starts at 9 a.m. in the morning, but you're not leaving the field until after five because you're just hanging out and enjoying the camaraderie uh, with the team, you know. Um, so Islanders, they were responsible for just bringing everybody together. Uh, they're fun, they're energetic. Um, and so you just want to be on tour with them. You want to go to tournaments. Uh, so they'll invite you to tournaments out of state. Uh, I remember attending one in Phoenix, Arizona, and it was absolutely amazing. Um, and, and that's just the culture they bring. That's just the, the, the environment that they provide for young players like myself well, back then <laughs> uh, to just stay involved, have fun, and enjoy the sport. So there's a huge community of people yeah. there. Yes, uh, there, there was, uh, especially during the time that I played with them, uh, you found that once one Caribbean player uh, found out about them, they would quickly spread. Uh, so that there was always, um, there was always a nice uh, flow of players. Um, and at that point in time, when I was in the university, at university, we had quite a few uh, Trinidadian and Caribbean players on scholarships as well. Uh, so you found that that was just a place to meet and to just um, enjoy being with uh, similar-minded people, uh, of course, playing the sport that we all loved. What's, what benefits are there to this? What, how has it aided you? In, you mean, how old were you when you were living there? Um, I was in my early 20s. <laughs> um, and it, it played an important role because uh, coming out of college, um, there was a, a period of uncertainty. Right, you weren't sure, okay, what next? Um, I'm done, I'm, I'll be working here for two years in the United States. Um, what, what, what are my options? You know, I, I love playing, uh, but where are the opportunities to play and continue to play at that level? And uh, that's when New York Islanders came in for me. Uh, they provided, again, that, that place to still continue the sport, uh, to still uh, be passionate about the sport, you know, opportunities to play on a friendly level and very competitive levels. Uh, you also found uh, where you were able to interact with the older players um, and just build a network, right? Uh, so some of us would have gotten jobs uh, or internships uh, just interacting with the uh, older players who are already established, right? Again, you're coming from the Caribbean, you spent four years in college in a nice cocoon, and then you're out into the real world in New York. Where, where do you go, you know? And uh, New York Island has provided that that shelter, uh, that place that you can come, we're family, uh, we, we know what you're going through, we can help, you know, in addition to playing sport, we can put you uh, into certain careers that can help you guide your path and just keep you uh, during that, uh, that period where you're just not quite sure what's the next move. So I'm truly, truly grateful for them and all the members that are really contributed to my development during that period. So it was, it sounds like it was a stepping stone between living at home and, and, living, and moving abroad. Correct. It, it was. Uh, so that even when I had to eventually leave uh, New York and move back home uh, to get married, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a heart-wrenching period, you know. Um, you felt as though you were really parting with family because uh, they really stayed with you and they, they guided you through that period. Um, and they moved back, they, they made the move back even better, you know, because even uh, though we missed them, they were still there to provide that bridge. Uh, we will still connect and touch base uh, whenever there were tournaments out of state uh, that they uh, thought that we could have made, they would invite us. Uh, so I got invited many times to attend a few tournaments in Miami with them. And uh, up to this day, we still, I still get invitations to attend the Banks Hockey Festival, which is now known as the Barbados Hockey Festival. Uh, so whenever they're in Barbados uh, during that period, I'm invited to come and play. Uh, so I actually met with them 
2018 and played in the Betsy Vision. And it was as you, you never left. You know, the welcome was so warm. It was just like, it was just yesterday that we left New York. And now we're here playing together again. But um, the, the great, great friendships, great bonds uh, that you're able to continue uh, beyond the field. So I, I'm, I'm getting a sense of, uh, of, of warmth, of, of community, of, of self-worth even. Mm. Uh, individual self-worth, community self-worth. Um, were there any, any, any things that you, which you know now that you didn't know before? Uh, anything that you've learned specifically from being involved in that community, uh, uh, that's at home community over, overseas? Yes, so I think it uh, was the passion of the sport and the, the power of sport, I would say, um, where it can uh, build connections. Uh, it can build connections. It can um, keep you grounded, right? Uh, uh, Caribbean people tend to be very warm and, uh, and, and motherly, right? Uh, so they were able to do that. And, and that kind of stuck with me, uh, how, I was, uh, how they took me in and uh, sheltered me and just guide me along the way until I was able to find my feet in New York. New York is a big, intimidating place, right? Uh, so I found that I was able to keep that in mind and develop certain tendencies. Now as a coach, uh, where you um, interact with athletes, athletes who are unsure of their next steps, you know, athletes coming out of high school, are not quite sure uh, what career part, or do they go back to school, to university? And you find that I, I am now able to, having gone through it and experienced it uh, with uh, the members of the New York Islanders, I'm now able to offer the same level of comfort and the same support uh, where, and, and guidance where you can either um, just show them different areas. You can stay involved in the sport or while you do this, it's a balance. You know, you can, uh, you can work along here or this. You don't even have to play. You can also just be an official in the sport. Uh, but uh, the, the important thing was just uh, the connection, uh, the connection and bridging the gap between uh, one period to the next. And I'm easily able to do that now as a coach, having uh, interact with them and going through that myself. So, would you say that you are now a more holistic coach because of your experiences playing for the New Islanders? You, you look after their social life, their, their, their home life as well. Is it, you consider more about the players? So, uh, hol holistic and coach... Um, could uh, could clash because uh, I think uh, part part of coaching is just really um, being interested and involved in developing the whole athlete, right? Uh, all areas. Because um, as a coach, we're we're coaches, we're parents, we're teachers. Um, so, but but to answer your question, uh, yes, because uh, that that again that stayed with me and it resonated uh, because I was able to experience it. Um, the tendencies my coaching tendencies to be more of a parent and, and then a coach uh, where you're always um, talking to them about life after the sport or life in addition to the sport or, or what next life off the field. Um, uh, so th that has stayed. It has stayed. It has uh, molded uh, my coaching career. Uh, in addition to that, uh, it was very similar to my club now here in Trinidad, uh, Harvard Checkers, where uh, the, the females were the same. You know, they were always... Um, encouraging you to think about life after, to think about um, uh, j just what, what you're going to do with yourself. So the, the approaches are similar in New York Islanders uh, Maritime Harvard uh, Hockey Club, uh, which has then uh, just helped mold me to be the person and the coach that I am today. Are there different styles of play uh, within the Caribbean hockey playing nations? Are there different approaches to, to the game? 
I would say so. Um, before it was, um, you would recognize it quite easily. And now though the, it, it tends to be, the style seems to be merging, uh, where it's similar. So before a few years ago, you would be able to clearly identify, say a player from Barbados, a player from Guyana, and one from Trinidad. Now, um, I guess with the access of information, uh, with the development of the sport, with uh, the, uh, the growth of the knowledge base of the coaches and the players, uh, you find that the styles are becoming similar. Uh, so before you could say, okay, speed, um, that, that's why we was thinking sport. Okay, that's Trinidad, Guyana, okay. But now we have, you find it's a, it's a melting pot. Uh, all the athletes are, would have similar styles in terms of playing, uh, thinking the game, um, strategy. Uh, so it's, yeah, I think uh, based on just the availability of hockey and uh, watching hockey, uh, the, the, the styles have been able to merge over a couple of years. When, when you were playing for the New York Islanders, how did this manifest itself how did these different styles combine um it, it actually it worked out pretty well because uh based uh, then on the playing style you were able to tell immediately the strengths and the weaknesses of your players right uh, this i think gave you a better um sense of understanding as a player uh, which I, which now helps as a coach because uh, you're able to identify not just on the field, knowing that, okay, we have this uh, player uh, from Barbados here. So if you give her the ball, she's going to take that and she's going to run. Uh, you have the Jamaicans who would be able to um, stand firm against any defenders uh, and to be able to handle the challenges. Uh, so it, 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 that is actually a good thing because it, it contributed to the success of the team. Uh, where you always found the different styles coming in. So whenever Islanders came to play a team, uh, you were always unsure of their playing of their playing styles because there were so many um, various styles from the different Caribbean uh, athletes joining them, and even from the local New Yorkers there. You know, uh, so but um, it, it was it was interesting. Uh, and as I said, as I said before, it helps with developing that uh, that um, game strategy as a player, which has now helped as a coach. How much did the players within the New York Islanders set up, um, specifically with, with the women, but also, I suppose, widely across the both genders? Which I imagine it sounds like both genders were interacting quite a bit. How much of this cross-pollination was beneficial for what you were talking about, the, um, the blending of styles? Was it, was it prompted by the New York Islanders, this blending of styles, or did it come from a different angle? I think it was, it was prompted by them because um, they, were, they were responsible for pulling the players, you know? Um, they're responsible for pulling the players and just making it work. So a coach for New York Islanders had, I think, a bigger responsibility uh, than, say, a coach for uh, whatever one of the clubs there. Um, I think there was Big Apple as well as... Um, Manhattan, a uh, team from Manhattan. Uh, the job was always a little uh, trickier with the New York Islanders because they, there were so many different players, so many different styles, so many different cultures um, and mindsets uh, towards the game that you had to uh, stop, figure it out, and then put a team, uh, a team that is united out there. Um, I think, though, as a result of them being successful at doing that, uh, merging the players, merging the uh, cultures, uh, you found out other teams, I think, were more interested in also... Um, bring in some diversity. Uh, so now I think that you'd find a few teams with a few Jamaicans on it, a few teams with a few uh, Trinis uh, playing that, that, that is not New York Islanders, you know, because Islanders was known for that Caribbean vibes. Uh, but uh, now a lot of teams are more open, again, because you see the benefit uh, that these players bring, you know, having come from uh, different cultures. Uh, what 
or not not having come from the same uh, system that the U.S. players would come from, uh, it, it it adds a benefit. Um, so I think they greatly responsible for bringing diversity uh, to the league. Uh, they in, um, in New York as well as just um, just raising the overall level of the uh, playing style. Currently, there is no West Indies cricket style team for, for the hockey countries. Uh, but it does sound like in New York, there is a, a West Indies style club. <laughs> you, you can say that. <laughs> yes, yes, it's a, a West Indies team. Uh -huh. um, do you think that a West Indies national hockey team could be beneficial? Hmm. So, yes, 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 yes. Um, I've, at the last um, coaching course that I attended in Peru, I was there with um, a fellow coach from Trinidad and one from Guyana. And after, at the end of the coaching course, after you came away with a wealth of knowledge, um, with a drive and a renewed passion to go out there and coach and to push the sport and to develop the athletes, uh, we were having a conversation where it just came up like, guys, why not just pool together all the resources that we have? We have three young coaches here, knowledgeable, around the table, with passion, with drive. We have connections now because from this coaching course, you were able to uh, make connections with coaches from Argentina, coaches from the US, coaches from uh, Mexico. Uh, why not uh, use the resources that we have now available to us and bring, bring something of it? Uh, why not make the Caribbean more competitive? Because uh, uh, while the coaching course was going on, we were there for the Pan American Games. And you saw the level of play uh, that these players, both male and females, uh, teams, teams brought. And we, we kept asking ourselves, what's the difference? You know, why aren't we there as a nation? Why aren't we there as Trinidad? Why aren't we there as Barbados? And I think it, it, it comes down to us just being real with the resources that we have available to us, the pool of players, um, the level of finances, um, and then just the, the coaches. Uh, so we, we sat there and we, we, we figured out that if we were able to combine everything, combine all the players from the different Caribbean islands, combine the coaches, combine the financial resources, uh, then you'd find that we'd be able to make a mark, make a mark, uh, not as one island, but make a mark as, as West Indies, you know? Um, so it's, it's a concept that, that has stayed with me ever since. Um, but of course, the, the next block would be, well, well then what? Uh, how do we get past uh, the different challenges that this would present? Because uh, you then have the different hockey bodies having to work things out, you know, team selections, uh, to um, funding for practices and to get the players to be able to travel to practice as a team. Uh, so it, it, it's, a, it's a dream, but I think uh, with some thought and with the right uh, persons behind it, it can become a reality. There is a prevalence of this with, with uh, England, Scotland, Wales, um, a yeah. little bit Northern Ireland and Great Britain. Mm. Um, our, our women's team have greatly benefited from Charlotte Watson and Sarah Robertson from mm. Scotland, uh, Sarah Jones from Wales. Mm. Uh, the, the men's team have, have greatly benefited from in my opinion, a, a world-class Scottish centre forward in Alan, Alan Forsyth. Um, there's some Northern Irish fellas in there as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but the way we set it up, it, it, it's kind of at a talent drain towards mm -hmm. the South East of England. Mm -hmm. All the best 
kilt and gang players on the southeast of England because the hockey is based. Would there be a, a similar fear for for West Indies? I I I don't think so uh, because as it is now, um, each of the nations uh, have a strong sense of um, belonging or, or a sense of pride when it comes to hockey you know so jamaica has their own hockey league that that's that's very um vibrant uh barbados does an excellent job of keeping it alive uh guyana even with their small population that they're trying to grow hockey population uh they still keep it relevant they still keep the sport relevant uh so i feel uh because um in each individual country, uh, there's a, a, a belonging or a pride to having established hockey. Uh, I think but with combining, it would only increase uh, the, the base, right? Uh, because then if you combine a West Indies team that is able to be on the world stages um, and, and, and perform and, and play with the big guns, uh, then that would only do good for the players in the different countries, you know, uh, where they'll be able to want to play into the sport, they'll want to develop. Uh, so you'd find different grassroots teams. This is, um, this is what I'm seeing, envisioning, uh, popping up. So the population in each of these countries, each of, each of these islands will grow the hockey population. Uh, so in terms of the, the individual teams or the individual islands suffering, I, I, I can't see it. I, I think the only good will come of combining our resources. Mar Mitchell in Series 6, the Pan American specials, uh, he was mm -hmm. saying financially it might, it might be an issue because apparently it's cheaper to travel to Miami hmm. from the Caribbean than it is to travel within the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. Th that is true. That is true. Um, it's easier to go to Miami than to Jamaica, right? Uh, such a shame. Uh, but I, I want to believe that uh, with the traction that this team uh, would have, um, we could get funding, uh, funding from um, even just the local airlines, you know, um, or subsidized fares, uh, because again, there's power in in numbers, right? Um, and we we can move, we can create things that we that may not seem possible now, uh, because we're still looking at it from an individual perspective on the current situation. But if we break past that and see the potential, uh, then doors can open up. Uh, so it, it's a, it's an issue now. But again, with a combined team. Doors will open up, I think. Stronger together, basically. Stronger together, correct. <laughs> what do the New York Islanders add to hockey in the New York area? What, does, what do the New York Islanders add to hockey within United States hockey? I, I think the team brought um, a, a energy, you know, um, fun. Uh, when you think of them when you see their colors right it's 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 bright you can't miss that it's uh <laughs> orange and blue right i think that um you, you think fun energy and vibrance and this is exactly what they brought uh, brought along with uh diversity right again you look at the team and it's a melting pot uh you're seeing and you're hearing different accents and of course uh they also did a great job of including uh local players from the new york leagues or or um the uh, college students that would be graduating from college, the local college students. Uh, so it's a, it, was, it was a great sight, you know. Um, it's like the anthem here in Trinidad, every creed and race, you know. So it was a colorful team. And I, I thought that this was, uh, this is what uh, made them unique. This is what made them noticeable. On top of that, uh, you put them to play on the field. And it was, um, it was amazing because of the different skills. Uh, styles of play, the different skills. So they'll have a mixture of speed. They'll have a, mix, a mixture of um, pure skill, uh, a mixture of uh, um, 
just stable defenders. Uh, so uh, they, yeah, they, they really did bring that, that fun energy state, the diversity, as well as the, um, ex the unexpected. And expect the unexpected with them because you never know uh, what team you're going to meet, uh, where the players would be from, and what style they'll be playing on that particular day. So you, you mentioned when you, when you first started playing or first heard about the New York Islanders, they were in the Bronx, New York. Are they still there? Uh, no. So now hockey, so they, they've moved a bit. Um, and I think they, they moved since I left. Um, so they would practice in different fields, uh, wherever was available or where you found the majority of players being concentrated. Uh, so practice sessions uh, would sometimes be held in Brooklyn, uh, where there's a, an available school field for us to, to do that. Um, but they've moved around based on the league. Uh, so they've played at um, Hofstra. I think that they recently started to play at Columbia. Uh, so, but they, they are wrong. You can, you can find them. Um, I think at that particular time, uh, that's where the players were. And so you, they, they would uh, hold a practice session there. But uh, they are wrong. You cannot miss them. <laughs> Has there, has there been any positive impact on the local area in terms of developing hockey, in terms of bringing in young players, perhaps uh, like generation tribunes? Yes, yeah, so I think yeah, visibility, uh, because they are very visible and um, seeing the meaning, that just the, the league on the whole, right? That league in New York, um, and they're able to jump around. You'd find uh, that you'll be able to see passing a, a, a train, seeing hockey uh, going on here one Saturday. And then the next Saturday, hockey will be on that side. And then they move around. Uh, uh, New Jersey also has a very vibrant league. Uh, so just in general, and uh, them being a part of that um, Northeastern North Division, uh, it, it did something for the hockey. It's, I think visibility was key. Uh, so we're now college students and even high school students who were not able to make it to college. I saw an opportunity to still continue to play. Um, you also found in terms of um, just their general reach, uh, because they were also great professionals. Uh, they were able to then interact and just have conversations and draw uh, non-traditional hockey players into the sport to, again, grow the sport. Um, so, I, yeah, I think they did a, a very good job in, in that sense. In terms of specifically the lady, ladies' team, what have been the challenges? What have been the, the successes, both from a community a holistic approach, developmental approach, but also the tournaments? Uh, so with the ladies team now, unfortunately, um, we found that most of the ladies have either um, married and moved on or some of them moved out of state. Um, and I don't think uh, much attention was paid to recruitment or it was difficult even uh, to recruit at one point. Uh, so it's, it's the, the ladies team is no longer an entity. Uh, but you still find that there are a few ladies who hold on to play with the men's team. Uh, but uh, during that time, I, I think that um, they did an excellent job in just um, being stable, uh, being that team uh, that you'd be able to, um, to, 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 to go on to see, to see the improvement. Um, so I, th I think I lost essence of your, of your question there. Uh, if you can just remind me again where, where I was going with this point. So what, what have been the challenges and the successes? Mm. Okay, so right, the challenges would now, uh, was then um, coming down to the last few years and it's now uh, just keeping a continuous feed into the program to ensure that there was continuity. Um, and to say that that was a challenge all along, I don't think so. I think um, things just change. Uh, you'd found that the, as the 
age level uh, increased uh, that and the women were getting more and more pulled into careers and family life um, that just they just weren't able to hold together and as with any team you need a core uh, to be able to build around uh, so if you don't have that core then you find that things tend to fall apart uh, in terms of the uh, successes though uh, as I said before they would have done a great job in just um, keeping young strong women around and developing them um, you know just in, in general the sports uh, you also found that they were the back and behind the men's team right they were always their great supporters always cheering them on and just uh, just being the heart of the club and, and they did an excellent job with that any, any tournaments that, that were won? Any, any tournaments where actual hockey development was shown? Oh, so it's been so, um, it's been a while. Uh, but um, I just remember, it, and it would not have been a pure Islanders team, uh, but a mixture of players uh, from Islanders and a few other teams in New York as well. But I, I remember they attending the Cal Cup, uh, where the showing there was was exceptional. I think they did so well um, in the higher level that they uh, ended up in, in the semifinals or the finals. And for them, I, for that, for them, I think that was a great achievement because uh, it showed that we were able to take hockey at the club level, uh, which is more fun and frolicking because that, that's also part of their culture, uh, but that they can also be serious on the field and when it's time to play and perform that they can do it. Uh, so I think that was one of the uh, greater, greatest achievements uh, for the ladies team. So, so the Cal Cup, that's a huge uh, club festival, isn't it, in, in California? It is, yeah. It's yes, quite, yes. A, quite a serious bit of competition there, the final. <laughs> it was. So it was uh, slightly intimidating, I think, for the players uh, combining it, because, again, it was a combined team. Uh, but they were ready for the challenge. And I think uh, that's just a part of the culture that they develop, you know. Um, so we'll go there, we'll have fun. We play hockey, but regardless of what, regardless of the results, we will have fun. Uh, so I think just going into the tournament with that attitude where, hey, nothing to lose, lay it all out while we're doing it, have fun and just enjoy it, you know, enjoy being here, enjoy being there with your teammates. I think that contributed greatly uh, to the eventual outcome. So we, uh, you mentioned um, basically what brought down to recruitment uh, with the, with, with the where the female players got older and they weren't replaced. Um, as, a, as a developmental coach, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an, elite, an elite level youth team coach, um, what's happening now to, to keep uh, women in, in the game? What's, what's, what's happening now to develop uh, hockey? Um, so I'll answer that question with a, a very simple answer, more development. Uh, it's important that we um, not get tired of developing of growing the base because uh, the base is important uh, to, to feed the top right uh, but not only development I think uh, what's important is is the type of development in the development it's not only about the sport and pushing the sport but it's about just education on the whole right uh, education of the benefits of sport the benefits of staying involved in the sports uh, in the short term and in the future uh, so it, I think that has to play a role. So it's not just recruiting for the recruiting sake of having players to funnel into the club system and the national team. It's recruiting to just have um, a more educated base of players. I think with this, they're able to then go through the ranks, <laughs> go through the level of the sports with different ideas to stay involved, different ideas to stay longer, you know, um, and having good role models um, with them as well also shows, you know, look, so she's a... Um, 
she's a coach, she's a mother, and she can also stay in the sport. She's still here. She's still helping us along. And then as you go, you see different players, different um, even the male players, you know, that they're balancing working and playing at the national level. Uh, so I think it's, yeah, it's development with education. Uh, the education comes again, not only with life skills, uh, but with also, also just a mindset, a mindset of um, success, a mindset of excellence, a mindset of sticking with it regardless. And I think once they have this and that, that development base has it, then they're able to see a continuous flow or transfer of players from one level to the next. Can you give me a specific example of what you're doing in Trinidad and Tobago? Sure. Um, so as I said before, I'm uh, the founder and head coach of In Sports Field Hockey um, Academy. And so, again, coming from um, just the national level and coaching uh, with the Trinidad and Tobago Hockey Board, because there was a vibrant coaching program at one point in time, uh, Quan Dwayne Brong, I'm not quite sure if you're familiar with him, uh, but he came back to Trinidad a few years ago and, and just pour it all into this development program. Uh, but of course, as funding started to wean away, you found that um, the coaches weren't able to go to the schools and, and get the numbers. Uh, so seeing this, my thing was to change the culture a tad, uh, change it and um, not only rely on funding from the government, uh, but make the academy a, self, a self-sustaining um, entity. Uh, so with this approach, I just targeted every possible school in the east uh, of Trinidad and just introduced the sport. Uh, to me, my biggest sell was myself and what the sport did for me. Uh, so I was able to uh, live it, right? Live it from playing in high school to attaining a full hockey scholarship to a university in the States, uh, to coming back and playing with the national team, playing at the club, club level and now coaching. Uh, so uh, that was my biggest sell. And they saw it, they saw a real life example. So they found that it was easier for parents and uh, principals at these schools to buy in uh, to the program, to in sports. And so what we did as well is to take it away from hockey being played on an astro tooth. Uh, so I found a grass field out in the open, very public, you had some busy roads uh, uh, and the intersection of some busy roads. And I used that as my base. Uh, my idea was to bring, if, if we cannot get you guys to see the sport at the hockey facility, I'm going to bring the sport to you. Uh, so because the sport was there and it was, uh, was visible, uh, you'd find regular people coming off the road, uh, just inquiring about it. Hey, what, what's the sport about hockey? Can I play? How do you join, right? Uh, because what you find happening in Trinidad, uh, you found happening for a few years, is that hockey uh, came and you need, the, the sport developed based on family, right? And family affiliation. So if my grandmother played hockey and my dad played hockey, I would play hockey. Mm-hmm. If my mom played hockey, I would play hockey. And that, whilst it was good, you found that the base was very small. Um, my thing was to broaden the base, go beyond uh, the people that know about the sport and bring people who did not know. Uh, so you, you're finding now that my academy has people, first-generation hockey players. They have never, their mom or their dad has never seen the sport. Uh, they are picking it up for the very first time. And I think that is important uh, because then you're able to get more, right? So taking it to the public, uh, making it visible, uh, opening up the base, offering it to people who, who do not know about the sport. And the next big thing is marketing, you know? Uh, so I try to do... Um, just to get the sport out there, get the sport out there, have the parents, talk to the parents about the importance of the sports, uh, show them the development, show them the plans, and then have them go out and talk to other parents. And you find that the base is just building. Uh, so I think that um, this has been instrumental in the development of the academy. And I think even just uh, building a bigger base uh, for hockey players in Trinidad and Tobago in general. 
as we begin to wind up, what, what have been your favourite memories from playing with the New York Islanders, playing hockey uh, in general? Uh, so I'll start with the New York Islanders. Um, I love the social aspect. Love it, love it. Um, so uh, when I was with my mom at that time when I was working in New York and playing with them, I would leave the house, as I said before, at 7 o'clock to 7 a.m. to get to the field for a 9.30 game. And I will not be back in the house until 7 p.m., right? Uh, the biggest thing for me was playing, yes, but then it's just the social aspect after. Uh, so some of the fondest memories were off the field, uh, just interacting and uh, just um, hanging out in the car park until the lights came off. <laughs> and they told us we had to go home, right? Um, so big, biggest thing uh, for New York Islanders and hockey in New York. So when I think about hockey in New York, I immediately see uh, the New York Islanders, the, the parking lot and just some great vibes. Um, of course, you'll have other tournaments as well when you travel out of state and you're able to um, stay with your teammates and just stay up and talk whole night, right? Um, general, other than that, though, some of the fondest memories in hockey in general would be uh, just my university years, uh, being there, getting the opportunity to play. I remember at, at that time, I was exposed, but not as exposed as, as I was now. So for me, traveling to different states and playing against um, girls at a high level, uh, that, that was just mind-blowing uh, for me. And I had to go back, get this information to my friends in Trinidad, to everybody in Trinidad, listen, you can also be here. There's an opportunity to play. There's an opportunity to see the world. There's an opportunity to build your experiences by just playing at the university level. Um, and otherwise, we'll just be with the national team uh, when we won the gold medal at CAC Games. Um, one of the best moments ever. Just there with your teammates. The hard training paid off. You made it. Uh, we achieved. The Central American and Caribbean Games, I believe, the CAC Games are. Correct. Yes. Decent standards as well, I think, isn't it? I'm sorry? As, a, as quite a decent standard as well, isn't it? The CAC Games. There's quite a few yeah, things yeah. in there. It's a pretty good standard, yeah. Um, we, uh, we had, what, Mexico, uh, sometimes Cuba would also be involved. Uh, but you have uh, Mexico, Guyana, Barbados, again, who has been rising in terms of the, uh, the level of play. Uh, there's some of, the, um, some of the good teams that you can meet at the CAC Games. The, I've got, we've had a bit of a debate in previous hockey-related uh, episodes of this podcast um, about the relevance of, of the Pro League to second tier hockey playing nations mm. um was the world league format better in terms of in terms of oh, relevant level competition which has promotion and relegation involved and and allowing exposure in order to, in order to, to get better the cac games seems to be very positive in in, in contributing towards that um, what do you think of the Pro League? What do you think of the World League? What do you think of this sort of opportunity to play and develop? So, whilst I understand the, the move to the Pro League, I, um, I, I really like the, the World League. I thought that it really gave the teams that um, have a very slim chance of making it to the high levels an opportunity to still play, uh, to still play uh, among some of the best teams, and to still just be able to uh, play hockey outside of the regular four-year cycle tournaments that we have in this part of the world. Um, so when they changed the format of it, I was very disappointed. Uh, however, the Pro League 
has some benefits uh, for us now, even though we are unable to participate in that. I think um, what it represents and the, uh, the change in the style of the game now makes the sport more marketable and more attractive to look at. Uh, so whilst Trinidad and Tobago cannot participate, you can see us on the screen, you're able to see hockey at a high level, a fast-paced game, an interesting game, you know? Um, so it, it's, it's, it's there to the public. Uh, in terms of the hockey population, I think uh, because it's, it's now visible and we can see uh, those games quite often, we're able to just build on our knowledge base. You know, uh, for the uh, more mature players at the national level, you're able to see uh, skills, you're able to see team strategy, you're, you're able to see and follow players, uh, some of the best players that you mirror yourself against. Uh, in terms of the youth level, like especially for my academy kids, they are excited when they're able to see the Hockey Pro League come across uh, TV. Uh, so they'll be messaging, coach, I am looking at Belgium playing India, right? Um, this was not something um, that was available to us before, right? But with the Pro League and the, the marketing and everything that they did behind uh, the production of it, I think it's, you know, it, it does something for the youth players. Uh, it inspires them because they see the level of play. They're seeing hockey from a different um a different style. They're seeing themselves in the future. Uh, so it does a good job of uh, inspiring the youth players. It, it goes back to what we've talked about a couple of times already in the last 40, 40 minutes or so of uh, visibility. The catchphrase, the, the, uh, the byline for women's football in England right now is, if you can see it, you can beat it. Hmm. That's exactly um, Could that marketability, could that uh, production value as it is uh, could that uh, have been brought into the world league and then and then allowed uh caribbean uh fans to see caribbean players playing in the second or third or in the earlier rounds i mean so my, my opinion it, it could have um but uh, um, just being real while trying to be politically correct, I guess the, the styles of play, the level of play is different, you know. Um, but again, maybe if, they, if that, they had allowed that to stay for a while, it would have increased the level of play uh, for the Caribbean teams, right? Because getting the opportunity to play against uh, some of the world-class teams uh, more often would raise your standard. You will learn. You will um. You, you will do better the next time you meet them or wrong, which again would just increase the standard. Um, so I think if they had given it some more time and um, just allow the development uh, to happen, um, it, it would have had the same, almost the same effect. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> we at the Half Court Press strongly agree. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, as does quite a few other people I've asked that question to. Um, <laughs> funny that, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> oh, right. um, Patricia, thank you so much. No problem. It was a pleasure. Thank you so very much for having me here. <laughs>